and welcome to another episode of the Average Joe Football Show. I'm your host, Joe Fair. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, We have a really, really exciting show for you guys today as we finally, finally have some actual football to talk about. Well, about the closest thing we're going to get to actual football. Tell you what, I'm really excited to be talking about the NFL Draft today. The NFL Draft just wrapped up a couple hours ago, and it's really exciting to be talking about something that's actually happening in the football world. We're not talking about projections. We're not talking about uh, anything like that. We're talking about, we're not talking about what could happen. We're just talking about what did happen. So we'll finally jump in to some real news. Uh, we got a really exciting show for you guys today. We're going to recap the whole NFL draft. We're going to start off by, by starting with round one, which was quite a fun experience. The whole virtual draft was something very new, something very exciting. I thought they did actually a really good job overall. Uh, I, I think there was very few uh, technical issues, if any. I don't really remember any uh, substantial technical issues. But overall, I thought that yeah, the virtual draft was done really well. First round went really well. I thought there was a lot of really interesting things that happened. And then we'll go into, later in the show, we'll go into recapping every single team's draft. Every team is going to get one minute on the clock. I'm going to recap their draft, what I thought about their draft. It's not a whole lot of time, but if you think about it, one minute for 32 teams, that's at least half an hour. Um, Math was never my strong suit, but I'm pretty sure that's half an hour. Um, So yeah, before we get into that, we're just going to jump into a little bit of news. We have some stuff that is not totally draft related. I mean, it happened during the draft, but it's not players getting selected out of college. So why don't we just jump into a couple of trades that happened, a couple of signings, a couple of transactions that happened that are not totally draft related. Let's jump right in the news. First up in the news, this is something that happened uh, last week, actually the day after I uploaded a podcast. Of course, we get huge breaking news and that's Rob Gronkowski coming back uh, into the NFL out of retirement and not only coming back into the NFL, but getting traded to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, this news came out almost uh, directly after uploading uh, last week's episode. A little bit frustrating, but uh, here we are talking about it anyways. We're just going to quickly go over this. Um, my thoughts on this, I'm extremely excited. I think it's a, it's a fun thing. I think that Tampa Bay Buccaneers team is going to be really fun to watch. And now uh, you have Rob Gronkowski coming back to add to the weapons that Tom Brady already had. He had Mike Evans. Uh, he's got Chris Godwin. Uh, he already had some pretty good tight ends in Cameron Bright. O.J. Howard uh, wants out of Tampa now uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, but I really, I'm really excited about this news. It's crazy news when people uh, kept trying to bring up Rob Gronkowski coming back into the NFL. I didn't believe it. I thought it was, they were full of crap. Uh, I did not think Rob Gronkowski would be coming back into the NFL. I mean, the guy lost like 20 to 30 pounds since coming, uh, since retiring rather from the NFL. Uh, let's see. Uh, I guess we're going to see if he can gain that weight back, if he can get back into playing shape and what kind of a player he'll even be after taking a year off. He's in his thirties now. Uh, you know, can he still be that same Gronk? I guess we'll have to wait and see. I'm really excited. I think this Tampa Buccaneers team is going to have a ton of primetime games. And if they don't uh, produce like the Cleveland Browns did last year, could be quite disappointing. But now we're going to jump into stuff that actually happened uh, during the draft, stuff that happened uh, that is not draft picks. But first up, we had finally Trent Williams getting traded. Uh, the former Washington Redskins left tackle. Uh, he's, he's a guy who hasn't played uh, 
for the Redskins for quite some time now. He wanted to get traded. He had a uh, uh, really bad relationship, a bad falling out there with the Redskins. And this news was something that was going on all throughout the weekend, all throughout the draft weekend was uh, Trent Williams, where he was going to get traded. It seemed like there was a trade uh, sending him to the Minnesota Vikings that was in place. Uh, Ian Rappaport reported that that trade was in place, but Trent Williams and his uh, party actually nixed that trade. They did not want to go there. Uh, so then he ends up going even longer without being traded. And then finally, uh, we find out that Joe Staley, the 49ers uh, tackle, a really good tackle, just retired after 13 seasons in the NFL. And directly after that, coinciding with that, Trent Williams is traded to the 49ers for a 2020 fifth round pick and a 2021 third round pick. Um, and this news, uh, I'm obviously, obviously I'm all for this. I mean, this is a really great team getting even better. I mean, you you replace Joe Staley, a former pro bowler, with another formal from former pro bowler at that left tackle position. I mean, that's almost not even fair. It's it's got to be frustrating for teams that that or for fans that don't like the 49ers. I mean, the rich, rich just keep getting richer. Um, Trent Williams, we'll see what he can do after having a year off of football if he can go back to being a pro bowl guy. Uh, an interesting tidbit, he's actually going to play with Richard Sherman who during the wild card playoff game just a few years ago, uh, Richard Sherman and Trent Williams had a little bit of a scuffle at center field after the game when the Seahawks took down the Washington Redskins and actually punched Richard Sherman in the face. I don't know if any of you remember this. I very clearly do. Uh, so that'll be kind of interesting to have those two on the same team. Uh, but coming up next in the news, the Philadelphia Eagles have traded for uh, wide receiver. They they pick up a new uh, wide receiver, a new weapon, uh, a new wide receiver at the position that they were super uh, low at le- last year. They didn't have very, very much wide receiver help. Carson Wentz didn't have a whole lot of weapons at the wide receiver position. They trade for Marquise Goodwin from the 49ers. So the 49ers stayed really busy during this draft time with trades uh, because the next news is also a 49ers trade. But Marquise Goodwin gets traded to the Eagles. Uh, I think that's a really, really fun pickup. The Eagles are adding a ton of speed. We'll get to that later in the draft. Adding a ton of speed at the wide receiver position. They're trying to give um, Carson Wentz all the weapons they can and really just improve what was a terrible uh, wide receiver core last year for the Philadelphia Eagles. And moving up into the final piece of news before we get into the first round, and it's the 49ers once again trading uh, running back Matt Breida to the, to the Dolphins for a fifth-round pick. So the Dolphins... During the draft, uh, a lot of fans getting very frustrated that they refuse, seem to refuse to pick a running back despite there being running backs available for them at multiple times throughout the draft. They instead uh, choose to go to the route of of trading for Matt Breida, who's a very productive back. He he uh, had a productive year last year for the Super Bowl runner-ups. Obviously, it's a it's a loaded backfield there, and Raheem Mostert seems to be the starter for the 49ers. So uh, they ship off Matt Breida to the Dolphins for a fifth-round pick. Matt Breida, who is in the final year of his contract, he's a 25-year-old uh, player, still very young. Uh, so it should be interesting to see now uh, the new backfield in Miami with J- Jordan Howard, who they picked up uh, in free agency, and now they picked up Matt Breida with a fifth-round pick. So it should be an interesting backfield there in Miami. And now without further ado, let's jump right into the first round of the 2020 NFL Draft. 
All right, here we go. The draft finally, finally, finally is here. Uh, times have been so weird with the COVID-19, with the pandemic going on. We haven't had any sports really to go on. So we finally, finally have something to talk about, something for us fans to come together with and discuss. The draft finally got here. Uh, the first round of the NFL draft is one of my favorite days on the calendar. I really enjoy the first round. Uh, I, the whole draft is a fun experience, but after about the third round, when you get to the fourth, uh, fourth, fifth round range, you kind of start to, it's kind of starts to drag on and you're kind of like, okay, I'm ready for this to be over. But the first round never fails to disappoint. And this year was the same thing. We had a really, really fun, uh, first round started off, uh, going really chalk. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of surprises. A lot of the teams, uh, in the top 10 kind of went where we thought they would go. There was not nearly as many surprises in the early goings of the draft as we thought there were going to be a lot of people thought there would be trades galore uh, in this draft especially in that top five uh, with Detroit and New York we had a lot of rumors uh, before the draft that Detroit and New York were uh, both trying desperately to trade out of the top five and then we had rumors that teams like Miami were trying to trade up to get a left tackle for some reason we had Jacksonville rumored to trade up but in the end, none of that really happened. And for the first little while of the draft, uh, you were wondering if everything was just going just gonna to go as planned. But obviously in the NFL draft, that never happens. We did get some trades later on in the draft. But without further ado, we're just going to jump right into what happened in the draft. Uh, with the first pick in the draft, the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, obviously no surprise, went with quarterback Joe Burrow out of LSU. And the second pick, also no surprise, Edge Chase Young. Uh, to the Washington Redskins. These two picks, I mean, we've known these two picks for a long, long time now, uh, for a few months. Uh, Joe Burrow goes to Cincinnati. He's the guy of the future there now. Uh, they're really excited about his potential in Cincinnati. I'm really excited. It's going to be fun to see. I thought the Bengals did a really good job in this draft in general and in this offseason to build around their future quarterback. Should be an interesting thing. It's going to be a whole new team going into next year. And the Washington Redskins... Um, obviously there was some rumors early on that they would go quarterback here, maybe potentially pick up Tua Tonga Bailoa, but they could just go with the best player in the draft and you cannot fault them for that. Chase Young is the best player in the draft. He's a generational talent out of Ohio state. Uh, you can't get angry at them for choosing, uh, that player. Their defensive line is going to be terrifying next year. And then you have the number three pick. Another one that was pretty obvious, uh, in this draft, a lot of people thought that it would be Jeffrey Okuda. Uh, the the corner out of Ohio State uh, going to number three. But there was some rumors coming out late that not only did the, the Lions want to trade out, but maybe that they would, if they stayed at number three, maybe that they would select a guy like Derek Brown instead of Jeffrey Okuda. But they don't do that. They go with Jeffrey Okuda. And I want you guys to know, up so far, three picks in, three for three on my mock draft. And in case any of you guys are wondering, a little bit of a spoiler, uh, I got eight out of 32 right on my mock draft, which, you know, if you don't listen to a lot of mock drafts, that doesn't sound all that great. Uh, and, you know, maybe overall it's not all that great. But here at the Average Joe Football Show, we like to hold ourselves accountable. We like to say, hey, you know, I wasn't perfect. But to put this in perspective, uh, I believe Daniel Jeremiah, one of the biggest draft experts, his mock draft had seven picks right. So am I saying that I'm smarter than Daniel Jeremiah? You know what? I'll let you guys decide that. I won't say that I am. I won't say that I'm not. But, you know, I put a lot of work, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into this. Probably not even close to nearly as much as Daniel Jeremiah. 
But when it comes down to it, my mock draft, my first round mock draft was better than his. And I will put that on my fridge. Uh, my wife is going to have that on the fridge. Uh, my mock draft, better, better than Daniel Jeremiah's. Thank you very much. I'm going to take a bow. But coming into number four, after I just bragged so much about my mock draft, this is where my mock draft kind of started to fall apart. Number four, the New York Giants went with tackle Andrew Thomas. I had them going with Tristan Wirfs. Uh, it seemed like all these tackles were kind of inter interchangeable going into the draft. We weren't sure which one was going to go first. We weren't sure which one that teams valued. But Andrew Thomas out of Georgia goes first. Uh, obviously, the Giants just want to protect their franchise quarterback uh, and Daniel Jones. So I think that's a really good pick. We heard them going a lot of different directions. Uh, people thought that maybe it would be Isaiah Simmons here, but they go Andrew Thomas. And then coming at the number five pick, this was kind of maybe the uh, first surprise of the draft. A lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of mock drafts, including Daniel Jeremiah, but, you know, we're not going to get into that, had the Miami Dolphins selecting uh, Justin Herbert here at number five at the quarterback position. However, the Miami Dolphins just really pull the wool over everybody's eyes. One of the most effective smoke screens I've ever seen. Basically, you had people going into this draft. You had experts, insiders saying they hadn't heard anybody say that the Dolphins were interested in, in Tuatongo Vailoa. But that's exactly who they took. They took quarterback Tuatongo Vailoa out of Alabama. And as a Dolphins fan, this gets me fired up. Uh, my wife has my a video of me reacting to this pick. Uh, I might put that on my Instagram. You guys can go check that out. At underscore average Joe show. Uh, it's yeah, I was ecstatic when this pick happened. I mean, this is this is exciting for Dolphins fans. Uh, I was listening to um, the Around the NFL podcast, and I uh, there was a uh, a really great podcast. You guys should check it out if you haven't listened to it. Uh, Greg Rosenthal, who was on that podcast, and he's a writer for NFL.com, said something that I think really rang, rings true with this pick, and that's um, guys like Justin Herbert. We it feels like we have guys like Justin Herbert in every draft, but when it comes down to it. Uh, Tua has special traits. He's not a guy that you see in every every NFL draft. He's a special player, and I, I thought, you know, I thought the Dolphins might pass up on him because of the injury, and I was very worried that they would make another Drew Brees mistake, but they don't. They go with Tua Tagovailoa over Justin Herbert, and I'm excited. I know Dolphins fans are fired up, really excited. Uh, they finally have a franchise quarterback, and let's hope he can stay healthy. Hope he can uh, be the franchise guy that the Dolphins haven't had since Dan Marino. And wow, that's a long time. But coming up at the number six pick, we have quarterback Justin Herbert going to the Los Angeles Chargers. And this pick actually surprised me a little bit. I was I did I did not think that the Chargers would go quarterback if Tua wasn't there. But it seems like uh, Justin Herbert was really the, their guy all along. If you believe all the things that you're hearing coming after the draft. So they go out, they get Justin Herbert to sit behind Tyrod Taylor, presumably, for the near future. And obviously, I didn't want uh, Justin Herbert on my team. Uh, you, you guys know I was not a big fan of Justin Herbert in this draft process, but I'm not going to talk crap against Justin uh, Herbert. I think he landed in a really good spot. They have a ton of weapons. They have guys like Austin Eckler, uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Uh, they have just a ton of talent, and that defense got even stronger throughout this draft. We'll get into that later on in the episode, but I, I think Justin Herbert couldn't have landed in a better spot. I uh, really like that pick for Justin Herbert, and let's hope that he can 
really bring it all together and turn all that talent into a franchise quarterback for the Los Angeles Chargers. And now coming in at the number seven pick, the Carolina Panthers selected defensive tackle Derek Brown. So this is where Derek Brown goes. Uh, a lot of people had him going to the Cardinals, but the the Panthers snatch him up before the Cardinals, Cardinals have the ability to. And I really, really liked what Carolina did in this draft. We'll get into that more later on. But Derek Brown was really the beginning of, I think, a very solid draft for the uh, for the Carolina Panthers. Coming at eight, we have linebacker Isaiah Simmons going to Arizona. This is a fun pick. I mean, this is a team that got a lot better offensively with DeAndre Hopkins. I kind of figured they were uh, either going to go offensive line or they were going to go defense because they need to build up that defense. And now you think about the guys that they have on that defense. They have Isaiah Simmons and they have Buda Baker. Those two playing alongside each other, two versatile, versatile athletic freaks. That's kind of scary to imagine. And then you have Patrick Peterson and you have uh, and you have a guy like Chandler Jones. That defense could be a force to be reckoned with. And this team could be a force to be reckoned with uh, in the coming years in that division. Uh, I mean, you got to watch out for the Arizona Cardinals. They're a fun, exciting team. And then in the number nine pick, we had Jacksonville uh, drafting cornerback C.J. Henderson out of Florida. I mean, Jackson, this is a huge position to need for the Jacksonville uh, Jaguars. They lost Jalen Ramsey uh, to a trade to the uh, Rams this last uh, season during uh, during the trade deadline. And then they also lost uh, A.J. Boye uh, this offseason, also due to a, a trade to the Denver Broncos. Uh, they needed to fill this hole. I mean, their secondary is weak. They have a lot of weak spots on this roster. And then number 10, the Cleveland Browns go Jedrick Wills tackle out of Alabama. And I think the Cleveland Browns and Cleveland Brown fans had to be absolutely floored with this pick. I mean, you had potentially the best tackle in the draft slide all the way down to number 10. And you guys just got to pick them. Uh, and I mean, you, there's really no questioning that pick. I really like that pick. Uh, do everything you can to protect Baker Mayfield. And then the next pick, the New York Giants go the same direction. They go tackle Mekhi Becton out of Louisville. Uh, another pick, you can't question it. You gotta, you gotta protect your your rookie uh, second, sorry, third year quarterback with Sam Darnold. I mean, you go and get this huge monster of a man, and he had some uh, some question marks. Obviously, he failed, or he had the the red uh, the red flags with the drug tests at the combine. You hope that he can put that together. You hope that the Jets can kind of um, get him get him uh, back on the straight and narrow and that he can be a franchise left tackle because I think uh, Mekhi Becton has the highest upside of all these tackles uh, going in here. Uh, so you thought that maybe the Jets would go wide receiver, but they go um, offensive line and the wide receivers actually ended up dropping a lot in this draft, a lot further than I thought. I mean, they still didn't go too far because they are extremely talented, but I kind of thought that the run on receivers would happen here either with the Jets or with the Raiders, but it turns out they ended up dropping a lot a lot further. But at number 12, the uh, the Las Vegas Raiders did select uh, wide receiver Henry Ruggs, the third out of Alabama. So a little bit of a surprise, Henry Ruggs is the first wide receiver off the board. I mean, for most of this process... It really seemed like C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy was going to be that number one receiver off the board. Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb kind of seemed like uh, more traditional number one receivers, whereas Henry Ruggs is a smaller, faster guy. But uh, we know how much the Raiders love speed. And, you know, I, I, I figured maybe since uh, Al Davis is no longer there that they might not value that as much. But we see they still obviously do. 
I, I think the Raiders are really hoping to get um, their own Tyree kill with Henry Ruggs. Uh, and I, I'm really excited to see what he does in that offense. He's going to really help with uh, the Raiders, help Derek Carr or Marcus Mariota, whoever is the starter there next year, uh, because that wide receiver room had a, a empty spot at that number one receiver since Antonio Brown, like I said last episode, joined the circus. So Henry Ruggs goes to Las Vegas. And then we have finally our first trade of the day comes all the way at number 13. This was a bit of a surprise. A lot of people thought there would be trades early on. But Tampa Bay just jumps up one spot because this is where we started to see Tristan Wirth slide a lot further than we thought. I had him going to the New York Giants at number 4. He's still available at number 13. Tampa Bay swaps uh, picks 13 and 14 with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, The 49ers move back one spot. And they also get pick 117 in the draft. Uh, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, they go Tristan Wirfs tackle out of Iowa. Love this pick. Get Tom Brady as much help as possible. This Bucks team is starting to really come together. Starting to really look like a fun team uh, to to watch to root for this upcoming season. I mean, you gotta you have a 43 year old quarterback in Tom Brady. You gotta do everything you can to protect him. Everything you can to help him because you don't have a whole lot of years left. Your championship window is only so big. So 13, really like that pick by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And coming in at number 14, after the trade, the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, this is the point where Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb, two of the best receivers in the draft, people thought these were the two best receivers in the draft, are still on the board. So you're thinking this is obvious. I mean, San Francisco going to go get their guy. I had them taking Jerry Judy, I believe, in my mock draft. Uh, going and getting their number one receiver, but they surprised everybody with a defensive tackle, Javon Kinlaw, uh, to replace DeForest Buckner. I mean, and add a ton of talent uh, to an already extremely talented uh, defensive line there in San Francisco. This pick, uh, although it's a, it's a it's a little bit questionable, I mean, you trade away DeForest Buckner, who is already a Pro Bowl guy, and you just re- replace him in the draft. I guess you pick up another pick. Uh, I really thought they would go receiver here. But this, you know, this pick is one that's maybe not the not the sexiest now, but I think it's going to make the 49ers defensive line really scary. I mean, it already was extremely scary last year, and if you can have Javon Kinlaw come and be uh, even part of the player that DeForest Buckner was, I mean, this team could be competing for a while because if you have a defensive line like that, it's really hard to compete with that in the NFL. And then coming at number 15, this is one of my favorite picks in the first round. The Denver Broncos select Jerry Judy, wide receiver out of Alabama. Jerry Judy dropped all the way to 15. If you would have told me that before the draft, I would have burned you at the stake for being a witch. I would have not believed that Jerry Judy dropped all the way to 15 to the Denver Broncos. There was talk about the Denver Broncos maybe trading up to get a wide receiver because there might not be any wide receivers there at 15. Jerry Judy falls right into their lap. And if you compare Jerry Judy with Cortland Sutton, and they ended up going later on, we'll talk about later, uh, more things that they did to help out Drew Locke. I mean, this team, uh, I, I really love what they did here in the first round specifically, and also later on in the draft, uh, getting Jerry Judy uh, with and Cortland Sutton on that offensive line. You got a Noah, Noah Fant last year. I mean, uh, and then you went and got Melvin Gordon in free agency. You still have Phillip Lindsay. Drew Locke has a ton of weapons around him. This could be a really exciting team uh, to, to watch in the upcoming years. And then... At 16, you have the Atlanta Falcons grabbing a cornerback, A.J. Terrell, a cornerback out of Clemson. 
This is, uh, uh, a lot of people thought a little bit of a reach, but we knew that Atlanta really needed a cornerback. They really wanted a cornerback. A lot of talk about them maybe trading up in this draft to go and grab a cornerback. Um, and there was even talk about them maybe going all the way up to number two to try to get Chase Young, but Washington was not having any of that. So the the uh, Atlanta Falcons grab A.J. Terrell, the cornerback out of Clemson, and hope to bolster that defense. Uh, and then at number 17, this was a pick that uh, I don't think anybody thought saw coming before the draft. CeeDee Lamb dropped all the way to number 17, which is just absurd. I cannot believe that CeeDee Lamb was available at 17. The Dallas Cowboys, uh, do they have a needed wide receiver? Not at all. But, I mean, when there's a talent like CeeDee Lamb at wide receiver, and you already have guys like Michael Gallup, you have guys like Amari Cooper, uh, and you already had one of the best offenses in football last year, and you have a chance to add CeeDee Lamb, uh, this is like the Chiefs. I mean, uh, if you, uh, they might not have the best defense, but if you score or score 40, 50 points a game, it's really hard to lose football games doing that. And that's really, I think, where Dallas went with this pick. I mean, you have another, another, a huge weapon for Dak Prescott, uh, and I think that's really exciting. Ceedee Lamb uh, looked like he was really excited to go to Dallas. This pick, I mean, it's almost unfair. And then you had at number 18, the Miami Dolphins were back on the clock and they picked tackle Austin Jackson. Uh, I figured they would go tackle at some point in this first round. I was hoping they would go tackle at some point in this first round. And they do with tackle Austin Jackson. A lot of people thought that he's sort of a raw prospect. Uh, he's not totally there all the way, so he might need some developing. Um, but you bolster that offensive line, which was the worst offensive line in football last year. And you try to do everything you can to protect your future and to Atongo Wailoa. And then at number 19, this was probably the biggest reach of the first round, according to pretty much everybody. The Las Vegas Raiders selected cornerback Damon Arnett out of Ohio State University. Uh, this one was a shocker. I'm, uh, my jaw dropped when I heard this on the broadcast. There's a, uh, there's a good chance that the Raiders could have traded completely out of the fir first round and gotten Damon Arnett in the second round. I understand that you have a need at corner. I understand that you like Damon Arnett. But, if I mean, this is an incredible reach. Unless there are people who valued him in the first round, but there's, there's experts, uh, there's insiders saying that nobody had this guy going in the first round. Nobody wanted him in the first round. So a little bit of a questionable pick. Who knows, you know, if he turns out to be a six-time Pro Bowler, we won't question the Raiders. But right now, it seems like a little bit of a questionable pick. And then, at the number 20 pick, we had Jacksonville back on the clock. And they chose edge rusher Calevon Chason out of LSU. Another LSU player off the board. Um, really like this pick. Uh, you just got to build on that, uh, on that whole roster in Jacksonville. They have a, an extremely weak roster. Uh, I feel like I talk about this every time I talk about the Jaguars. I apologize, Jaguar fans. But your, your roster is, is not looking good right now. Uh, you have Yannick Ngakwe wanting a trade. This is a potential replacement. Although they're talking about maybe not trading Yannick Ngakwe. I don't think there's any way you can do that. I mean, Yannick Ngakwe just doesn't want to play there anymore. So you grab Kalemon Chason to add to that defense. So you, you went defense heavy in this first round for the Jaguars. And then at number 21, the Philadelphia Eagles were on the clock. And there was still the wide receiver that everybody Imagine them going with Justin Jefferson was still on the board, but they really surprised everybody by going with a different wide receiver, Jalen Rager, out of TCU. Uh, Rager was projected by a lot to go much later in the first round, maybe even the second round. A lot of people didn't think he would go in the first round. The guy's a burner. 
Uh, we saw uh, earlier during the news, uh, later in the draft, that the Eagles traded for Marquise Goodwin, and now they bring in uh, Jalen Rager. I mean, they're adding a ton of speed, a ton of deep threats on this on this Philadelphia Eagles roster, on this wide receiver position. Um, I still think that maybe, you know, uh, Justin Jefferson brings you something that you didn't have with Mar Marquise Goodwin. I mean, they didn't have Mar Marquise Goodwin at this point, but if uh, if you trade for Marquise Goodwin, then you have bring in a, a bigger guy like Justin Jefferson. But now you kind of have a bunch of the same guys. I believe Deshaun Jackson's still on the roster. So you have a bunch of really the same guys, deep threat guys. Don't totally understand that. Uh, Eagles fans, I think, were kind of frustrated with their team's draft overall uh, in this year's draft. But that just led to at number 22, Justin Jefferson was still there on the board for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, and this is an absolute steal. One of the biggest steals in the draft. The Minnesota Vikings, uh, who traded Stephon Diggs to the Buffalo Bills this offseason, go and get their replacement for him. And a guy who who is extremely talented, uh, they go and get Justin Jefferson. Love this pick. Minnesota has got to be extremely excited about this pick. And then we had another trade in the first round. We had the Los Angeles Chargers who were totally out of the out of the round. They had already made the pick. They traded with the New England Patriots at number 23. Of course, of course, of course, the Patriots trade down. I feel like Bill Belichick is acting, trying his best to act like he's not at all worried about his team uh, falling apart, Tom Brady leaving, everybody leaving. So he's just trying to act like everything's fine. Uh, sure, you can do that. And who knows? Maybe the Patriots still go on to win 14 games. I wouldn't be surprised. But they trade completely out of the first round. And the Los Angeles Chargers come up and they get Kenneth Murray, linebacker, out of Oklahoma. Love this pick. Love, love, love this pick. You had Justin Herbert going earlier uh, in the first round. Uh, not a, not as big a fan of that pick. But now you go in, you add Kenneth Murray to a defense that already has uh, Derwin James, already has Casey Hayward, already has uh, Joey Bosa, already has Melvin Ingram. I mean, this defense is stacked. This Chargers team... Uh, depending on that quarterback position, whether it's Tyrod or it's Justin Herbert or they have somebody else that they bring in, this Chargers team is really built to compete now. And I think they could be a really exciting team and could end up being the best team in Los Angeles next year when they open up that new stadium. So I really love the pick of Kenneth Murray at number 23 to the Los Angeles Chargers. And then at the number 24 pick, we have the New Orleans Saints uh, who picked guard slash center Cesar Ruiz out of the University of Michigan. Uh, not a whole lot of holes on this roster for the New Orleans Saints. Um, you could could have seen Kenneth Murray maybe going here. That's probably why the Chargers ended up trading up over him, or over the, the Saints, rather. Uh, so they grab Cesar Ruiz to protect um, Drew Brees for, for one more run at the Super Bowl. I really like that pick. Uh, definitely cannot complain about getting more protection for one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. And then coming in at pick number 25, the San Francisco 49ers uh, back on the clock. They traded up to this pick. Minnesota was originally uh, uh, owning this pick. They traded up uh, with Minnesota. Minnesota got the number 31 pick, number 117 pick, and 176 for the 25th pick. And the San Francisco 49ers select wide receiver Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State University. And this kind of makes the, the original pick a little bit more um, confusing to me. I mean, they went and traded up, traded some actual assets to go and get Brandon Ayuk, who a lot of people didn't have in their top uh, 10 receivers. I mean, Brandon Ayuk's a, a really good player. A lot of people compare him to 
a guy like Anquan Bolden, a really good yards after catch guy. Uh, but I mean, you had receivers that were, I mean, people thought were head and shoulders above Brandon Ayuk uh, when you picked originally at the number 14 position. You still had Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb on the board, but now you go with Brandon Ayuk. I guess, you know, he, he is the, same, the type of receiver that um, San Francisco likes. Uh, he's a Debo Samuel type guy, yards after catch, good hands. Um, but to me, I mean, if you, want, if you knew you wanted a receiver, I would have gone with Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb and maybe try to trade up and get Javon Kinlaw uh, instead of doing it the exact opposite way. But in the end, you get two pretty good players. You can't be too mad at the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, they are a really good roster already, and they continue to get better. So Brandon Ayuk goes there. And then at number 26, this was originally slotted to be the Miami Dolphins' third pick. However, the Green Bay Packers trade up to the number 26 pick to grab quarterback Jordan Love out of Utah State, and this is one of the craziest, probably the craziest pick in the first round. Um, I had this in my mock draft, and I thought uh, there was no way I was going to get this pick right. This was not a pick that I felt very confident about. This was just kind of a pick that you throw in there uh, for fun, but wow, the Green Bay Packers go up. Uh, not only do they pick a quarterback, they trade up for a quarterback. They trade up for Aaron Rodgers' successor, while Aaron Rodgers is still there, you know Aaron Rodgers has to be absolutely fuming about this. Uh, I mean, this is crazy. I love Jordan Love. He's one of my favorite uh, quarterbacks in this draft, other than the obvious guys like like Joe Burrow and Tua. I really like Jordan Love. He was my third best quarterback in this in this draft. I, I mean, for me, as an outsider, as a non-Packers fan, I'm excited to see Jordan Love uh, in, in his future there in Green Bay. I mean, if you can go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers to potentially Jordan Love, obviously we don't know if he's at that caliber yet, but he's got all the tools. I mean, he, he is he is really a young Aaron Rodgers with the arm that he has. Uh, it could be a really exciting thing. Packers fans were not too excited about it. I mean, it does make sense. You have a Super Bowl winning quarterback, a potential... Um, not potential, definite Hall of Famer at the quarterback position, and you have a team that took you all the way to the NFC Championship game last year, and you still go out and uh, and draft uh, your quarterback's replacement. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is only 36, I believe. I mean, he's not that old. I mean, you have a guy like like Tom Brady playing at 43, and obviously he's a total anomaly, but I don't understand how you can draft Jordan Love instead of just getting more weapons around Aaron Rodgers. It's just, it's crazy because before this pick, uh, we weren't really talking about Aaron Rodgers leaving. We weren't really talking about Aaron Rodgers retiring. But now, I mean, we can see it down the road. We can see in our peripheral vision, we can see uh, Aaron Rod- the end of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you bring in a guy, a rookie quarterback in the first round, that's only a four-year contract uh, without the fifth-year option included. So you don't have a whole lot of time left, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers uh, really only has a few years left, unless Jordan Love completely fizzles out. But this was, yeah, this was one of the craziest picks in the first round. I did pick it in my mock draft, so a little bit of bragging rights to me, a little bit of a self high five. Good job, Joe. And then at the number twenty-seven pick, obviously the Eagle, uh, the Seahawks rather had to go with somebody that nobody really knew. They went with linebacker Jordan Brooks uh, out of Texas Tech. This is uh, not a guy I know a whole lot about. He seems to be a, a tackler, a tackling machine. Uh, the Seahawks seem to do this every year. 
they're 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 very similar to the Patriots, uh, where they either trade back or they grab somebody that nobody knew. Uh, so they go and grab Jordan Brooks out of Texas Tech, and then with the very next pick, uh, twenty eight to Baltimore, we have another linebacker going, and this which makes the Jordan Brooks thing even more confusing. Patrick Queen who was still on the board from LSU. Uh, he was considered to, to many uh, as the best linebacker in the draft. And then you had the Seahawks going Jordan Brooks instead of Patrick Queen. But Patrick Queen goes to Baltimore. I had Baltimore picking, uh, I believe I had Baltimore picking Kenneth Murray. Let me just check my notes here real quick. Uh, I did have the Baltimore Ravens selecting... Uh, Kenneth Murray instead of Patrick Queen, but this is you know this is basically basically the same kind of situation. You go and get yourself a new Ray Lewis. I believe that's what Lamar Jackson called him on Twitter. But Lamar Jackson says a lot of interesting things on Twitter. Uh, but you go get a leader of your defense. That's really the only hole this team had. This team, uh, as long as they don't disappoint, can be one of the most exciting teams again back to back years coming up. Uh, this season and you go and get Patrick Queen to bolster that defense. I'm really excited about this pick I love this pick Eric DaCosta In the front office there uh, John Harbaugh. They do a tremendous job every year An extremely well-run organization uh, So you definitely cannot hate Patrick Queen going to Baltimore and then at number 29 another pick that I got right in my mock draft uh, the Tennessee Titans select offensive lineman Isaiah Wilson out of Georgia another Georgia lineman going off the board Isaiah Wilson uh, I thought the Titans would either go corner or they go offensive lineman. They do go offensive lineman, get more help for Ryan Tannehill, get more um, blocking for Derrick Henry, bolster that offense, an already fairly impressive roster, gets even better. And then at number 30, you had another surprise pick, a guy that most people didn't have going in the first round, uh, and that's cornerback Noah Igbenogany. Nailed that, yes. Noah Igbenogany out of Auburn, cornerback goes to the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, Brian Flores is a, a disciple of Bill Belichick, does come from that Patriots um, system. So you know he's got to go out and pick somebody that nobody has any clue about. Uh, Noah Igbenogany, uh, he is a tremendous player, tremendous athlete. He started off as a wide receiver at Auburn and transitioned into uh, cornerback, and he's a physical man-to-man corner. Uh, that secondary in Miami is going to be pretty stacked if this pick hits. I mean, you already have Xavier Howard. You already have Byron Jones, who you went and got in free agency. And now you add Noah Igbenogany. I mean, they seem to really be insistent on building that secondary uh, in this free agency and in this draft. So I love that pick. Super athletic guy. Both of his parents were um, were track stars. So Noah Igbenogany goes to the Miami Dolphins. I just got to keep saying that name. Noah Igbenogany because... Dang, I killed that. I just want to say that uh, the Dolphins went and got two guys with absolutely insane last names. Uh, super hard to spell. I feel really bad for the equipment guy. He's got to be pretty peeved at this point. You go and get Tua Tungavailoa. And if you didn't think it could be any worse, you go and get Noah Igbenogany. Uh, so yeah, definitely wouldn't want to be... Well, actually, I guess it's still a pretty decent job. But definitely makes the, the equipment manager job a little bit harder for the Miami Dolphins. And then at the number 31 pick, uh, the second last pick in the first round, the Minnesota Vikings went Jeff Gladney, cornerback, out of um, TCU, another TCU player going in the first round. Uh, Really good draft in this first round, specifically by the Minnesota Vikings. 
They went and got Justin Jefferson earlier uh, at the wide receiver position. And then you go and fill a huge hole on the other side with Jeff Gladney. Jeff Gladney sort of a smaller corner, um, I believe. I did pick this in my mock draft as well. Uh, sort of a smaller corner. He'll probably play the slot. I mean, you don't have a lot of talent there, so maybe he'll be forced to play outside. But uh, Jeff Gladney, super talented guy. Uh, a lot of people had him over guys like Noah Igbenogany and definitely over um, Damon Arnett, who the Raiders took earlier. So I think a really good first round by the Minnesota Vikings. They really just sat there and let uh, really good players fall to them. And then with the final pick in the first round, the Super Bowl champ, uh, Kansas City Chiefs, went and got a running back, uh, running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out of LSU, another LSU player coming off the board. I believe LSU in this draft set the or tied the record with Ohio State actually uh, for most players selected in a seven seven round draft. So congratulations to them. Obviously, a ton of talent on that national championship roster. But a little bit of a surprise to have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I was just talking to um, my my cousin actually this week, and uh, I was saying how well Clyde Edwards-Hilaire would fit with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, in maybe the second round. I did not think that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire would go in the first round. I thought a guy like maybe DeAndre Swift was in play here. But they go with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who is a, a tremendous receiver, uh, a really good runner. Uh, he's a guy whose stock rose like crazy, shot to the moon uh, during this season, during this national championship season. So, I mean, you already have a Damian Williams there in Kansas City, but you, you kind of bolster that already really impressive offense. Now, if I'm Kansas City, I may be... You know, there's still some decent corners on the board, some decent safeties. Uh, maybe try to address different positions. Uh, running back, not really a position of huge need for them. But, I mean, like I said earlier with the Cowboys, if you keep adding weapons to the offense and you score 40, 50 points a game, that's hard to beat. And I think that's kind of what the Chiefs are going with here with Clyde Edwards, Elaire. So that kind of wraps up the first round of the 2020 NFL Draft. And what a fun first round it was. All right, and moving on to the second part of the show uh, where I'm going to go through and, and give you my opinion on every single team's uh, total draft uh, in the 2020 NFL Draft. But before we get into that, there was actually some uh, a little bit more news that happened in between recording the first part of the, uh, the episode and, and recording this part of the episode. Uh, just a couple pieces of news to go over. over. First off in the news, um, we had... Uh, the New Orleans Saints actually signing Jameis Winston. So he stays inside the division. Jameis Winston finally finds a home. Uh, I really like this fit, especially for Jameis Winston. Uh, it's just a one-year deal, so it's probably not a long-term uh, situation for the Saints. Um, we'll get into another move that they made that kind of indicates that he, uh, Jameis Winston is not the answer for the future. But I like the signing for Jameis because he's a guy who has incredible talent, obviously, uh, an incredibly talented quarterback. Uh, can make all the throws, but maybe just doesn't make the right decisions, doesn't have the proper coaching. So you bring him into um, the Saints uh, scheme, the Saints system, where you have Sean Payton, one of the greatest uh, offensive minds in football. Uh, I really, really like this picture for Jameis Winston to, to have a year training um, in that system and to just get better as a quarterback. And hopefully next year he can sign a new contract, maybe sign for bigger money, sign for a longer contract, and be a starter somewhere else, or maybe potentially in New Orleans. Uh, I don't totally see that happening, but I really like uh, the signing. And also a little fun fact that I saw on social media. Um, Taysom Hill, who recently just, or the same day, signed a two-year contract with 
the New Orleans Saints a two-year contract extension with $16 million guaranteed, so a pretty big contract. Fun fact, Jameis Winston has actually completed more passes to New Orleans Saints quarterbacks than Taysom Hill has. You can take whatever you want from that fact, uh, sort of a little, little bit of a joke, but uh, it's definitely interesting to see um, that Jameis Winston has thrown more interceptions to Saints receivers than Taysom Hill has actually thrown completions. And I guess we can get into talking about Taysom Hill. He signs a two-year contract extension with a, to stay with the Saints, uh, and he gets uh, $16 million guaranteed. That's quite a, quite a big commitment that the Saints made to Taysom Hill. I'm very curious to see where they go with Taysom Hill, if they really do trust him to be uh, the future of the franchise, uh, or if uh, this is kind of a stopgap before they go and draft another quarterback in next year's draft, or the draft after that, whenever Drew Brees decides to retire. But yeah, those are just two pieces of news that happen in between me recording the first part of the show and now me recording this part of the show. So I just wanted to get into that, uh, give you my give me my opinion on that a little bit. But without further ado, let's just jump right into me going over every team's draft. I'm going to go through uh, every team uh, by division, team by team. I'm going to give myself one minute on the clock. I have my wife's baking timer here. We're going to put one minute on the clock. I don't know how this is going to go. It's definitely going to give me a chance to practice my improv skills as I have not totally seen everybody's draft in depth. Obviously, I know the basics of a lot of the drafts. And I'm not going to act like I know a lot about a long snapper that's taken in the seventh round by this and this team. But I'm just going to give you overall my opinion on the the individual drafts overall and what I think. Did this team get better? Did this team get worse? Uh, does Do their moves make sense? Or don't they make sense? So yeah, we're going to jump right into it. We're going to start in the AFC East with the New England Patriots. We're going to put one minute on the clock. Here we go. The time starts now. Uh, with the New England Patriots, uh, we saw them do what they usually do in the draft. They draft a bunch of guys that you're not really expecting. Um, obviously, uh, in the second round, they went uh, they went with uh, Kyle Duggar, the safety out of Lenore Ryan, which is uh, such a Patriots move. They go and grab a guy that most people don't know. Uh, but overall, I thought the draft was fine. A lot of people maybe expected them to go quarterback. Um, I didn't see that happening. I think Bill Belichick uh, likes what he has with Jared Siddham and with Brian Hoyer. But I, I, I thought they I thought they did, did a decent job at getting uh, some flyers on a couple tight ends. They got Devin Asiasi out of uh, UCLA, and then they drafted in with the very next pick, Dalton Keene out of Virginia Tech. So they, they addressed the tight end position and addressed the kicker position, which is a position of need for them. Uh, overall, I'm not I'm not gonna say that I'm a huge fan of the draft, but uh, definitely not a terrible draft. Uh, the, the Patriots aren't known for their drafting. That's not how they've built their teams over the years. But yeah, uh, decent draft. Uh, nothing special. Hopefully they, these drafts pan out. I mean, the Patriots haven't had the best of luck with drafting, but that's the minute now. Moving on to the next team in the AFC East, and it's the Buffalo Bills. And I'm starting to realize that this whole minute thing is going to be a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. So I'm going to try to do my best to get as much information I can in one minute. Uh, so we'll start the clock here with the Buffalo Bills. One minute on the clock. I really like the Buffalo Bills draft. I thought they did, good, they did a really good job. They've done a really good job this entire offseason. They, they grabbed some guys that really fell to them. Uh, guys like AJ Epinesa dropped to them in the second round, which was definitely a surprise. A lot of people had uh, Epinesa going in the first round. Really liked that draft pick. Uh, he I think he'll fit in perfectly on that Buffalo Bills defense. And then they grabbed uh, running back Zach Moss also, uh, who fell to them. A lot of people thought his grade was maybe higher. A really, really fun running back. Out of Utah, and then later on in the draft, they actually get Jake Fromm, who fell a lot further than I thought. A lot of the quarterbacks in this draft fell really far. Uh, Jake Fromm, Jacob Eason, 
uh, fell pretty far in the draft, so they end up getting him, I guess, as a as a sort of uh, young guy they can mentor, and maybe potentially, if Josh Allen doesn't work out, you have a now another young, uh, talented quarterback to potentially replace him. But I, yeah, overall, the, I think the Buffalo Bills did a good job of not reaching for talent. They let talent fall into their lap, and I, uh, dang it. Uh, there's the minute again. That goes by so much faster than I'm expecting every time. Now moving on to the third team in the AFC East. It's the New York Jets. We're going to put one minute on the clock starting now. Uh, the Jets are another team who I think did a really good job of letting talent come to them. In the first round, they went and got uh, Makai Becton out of Louisville to tackle. And then in the second round, I think they ended up actually trading back uh, in the second round. And they still got a guy like Denzel Mims who... I, in my mock draft, I had him mocked as a first-round wide receiver, so I thought they did a really good job with that. And then they got another guy who uh, experts really eye on in the safety, uh, Ashton Davis, out of out of Cal. Uh, just a, just a they added some pretty good talent. Uh, they ended up getting James Morgan, the quarterback. They did the same thing as the Bills, is uh, getting a young quarterback later in the later in the draft, maybe as a as a good backup for their young quarterback that they already have. Uh, I know the Patriots were really high on James Morgan. Uh, they brought him in for a couple of visits, and then they uh, later on in the draft they got Bryce Hall, the cornerback out of Virginia, and I, I definitely heard a lot of good things about Bryce Hall. So I think uh, overall the the Jets did a pretty good job. Uh, to me, it's just a matter of if Adam Gase can actually coach these players up. I don't think Adam Gase is a very good coach, so I guess we'll we'll have to find out. And there's the minute again. Moving on to the final team in the AFCs. It's my Miami Dolphins. We're going to really uh, quick start the time on the clock. One minute officially on the clock. Uh, I really like this draft by the Miami Dolphins, and that's just not just me being a homer. You go and get your franchise quarterback into a Tonga Bailoa in the first round, and then they really invested a lot in protecting this, which a lot, uh, the, the last scheme uh, or the last uh, front office did not do. They went and got Austin Jackson. They went and got Robert Hunt. Uh, and then they got uh, the guard Solomon Kindly out of Georgia. Uh, so they, did a, they definitely tried their best to uh, go out and protect Tua, the guy of the future, with a bunch of guys that hopefully can develop into a good offensive line. And I think they took a lot of guys uh, like the Patriots, maybe uh, guys that aren't the highest rated guys, but guys with potential, guys who are super athletic, guys who will play special teams, guys like Noah Igbenogany in the first uh, first round. And uh, I think they got a really good player fall to them in Curtis Weaver. A lot of people had him. I think PFF had him uh, graded as a first round talent so that you definitely like seeing that uh, overall I would say the Dolphins had a pretty solid draft and I think that fans should be excited about it excited about the future and there's a minute the AFC East is officially completed moving on to the AFC West we're going to put a minute on the clock for the Kansas City Chiefs uh, overall the Kansas City Chiefs didn't have that many picks uh, I believe they picked just th uh, six players overall they got Clyde Edwards Alaire in the first round then they went to Willie Gay Jr. in the second round uh, ended up going uh, offensive tackle, safety, and edge, and corner. Uh, overall, they drafted, uh, I think, for need. They definitely had a need at corner. Definitely had a need uh, at linebacker. Uh, I know Willie Gay is a guy who, with some off-the-field issues. Um, we've seen uh, Brett Veach uh, take chances on guys like this in the past uh, with Kareem Hunt and really bring them in and have them be solid players. So hopefully he can do that with Willie Gay, and I'm sure he feels confident that he can do that. And, you know, if you add a guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire into that offense, definitely cannot be a bad thing. I think overall the roster was already re done really well. Uh, obviously, the Super Bowl champs, uh, you can't really add too much to the roster. They don't have a whole lot of 
uh, cap space. They didn't do too much in free agency, but I thought overall the draft was not not uh, phenomenal, but not terrible either. You can't really judge too much off of six picks. And now moving on to the Denver Broncos. We're going to put a minute on the clock, and this is by far one of my, if not my favorite draft of all the teams in, in the 2020 NFL draft. I mean, you go in, in the first round, Jerry Judy falls to 15. You already uh, have Cortland Sutton. You match him up with Jerry Judy. And then the second round, they go with KJ Hamler, another wide receiver out of Penn State who is an absolute burner. So you're just surrounding um, your young quarterback, Drew Locke, with incredible talent. And then later on in the draft, Lloyd Cushenberry falls to them as well. Uh, there's a, a lot of scouts that thought that he was uh, definitely a steal for them. I agree. And then you go and get uh, tight end Albert Okwabunam uh, out of Missouri, who's another guy who, who maybe fell further than we thought. Uh, tight ends uh, didn't seem like they were valued all that well. He's a playmaking tight end, a big-time tight end, one of the uh, top five tight ends in this draft, I think. I think overall, this team did a tremendous job trying to surround their young quarterback with talent. And I think this is going to be uh, a team that's that's to be reckoned with in this division and in the AFC uh, for a time to come, as long as Drew Locke can continue to develop. There's the minute again. Now moving on to the third team in the AFC West. We're going to put a minute on the clock for the Las Vegas Raiders. This is a team that you can tell their priority in this draft was getting help for Derek Carr, getting help for their quarterback and their offense. Uh, they, they had a huge need at wide receiver in the first round. They went and got Henry Ruggs, the speedy wide receiver out of Alabama. And then they they definitely reached on Damon Arnett uh, later on in the first round. Uh, you're hoping that he can develop into whatever Mike Mayock and John Gruden saw in him. Um, and then uh, later on in the draft, they go and grab Lynn Bowden, who is a wide receiver at Kentucky. He played quarterback in Kentucky. He's just an overall playmaker. Um, definitely would be interested to see how they use him in, the, uh, in, in their system if they have him. Uh, line it up at strictly receiver or if they use him uh, all over the field like at running back uh, and they drafted another uh, wide receiver in Brian Edwards out of South Carolina so you can tell they really really tried to surround uh, Derek Carr with talent they really felt like wide receiver was a need for them and they addressed that need heavily really like what the Raiders did moving on to the final team in the AFC West and that's the Los Angeles Chargers. Let's put a minute on the clock, and we're on the clock. Uh, with the first pick, they went with, obviously, quarterback Justin Herbert, who, um, not my favorite quarterback in the draft, but I, I, they definitely saw something in him where they can come in, uh, have him sit, sit behind Tyrod Taylor for a year or ever, how long they, he needs to develop. Uh, he has a ton of talent on that Chargers team to throw to, so you definitely uh, you like that he can potentially develop in that offense. And then later on, they went with Kenneth Murray, one of my favorite picks in the first round. I thought they hit a home run trading back into the first round, grabbing uh, the quarterback for their defense of the future. I think Kenneth Murray is a tremendous guy. You hear nothing but great things about him, uh, not only as a player, but as a person. And then they get Josh Kelly, uh, Joshua Kelly out of UCLA in the fourth round. Uh, a lot of people thought that that was a steal. Um, obviously, they lost Melvin Gordon this offseason. So you go out and you get his potential replacement. You already have... Um, Austin Eckler there, so you don't need him to come in and be a, a number one running back, but you can never have too many running backs uh, on your team. So overall, not a bad draft for the Los Angeles Chargers. Moving on to our next division, we're going to start with the AFC North. Going to put one minute on the clock for the Baltimore Ravens. Overall, the Baltimore Ravens, uh, I mean, they have a tremendous front office there with Eric Tacosta, who learned under Ozzie Newsome. 
Um, I'm going to always take the benefit of the doubt with them. I'm going to trust that they know what they're doing. Uh, they went out and got Patrick Queen in the first round, which I think fills one of the few, if one of the only needs that this team had, and that was at the linebacker position. Really loved that pick. And then later on in the second round, they got J.K. Dobbins, the running back out of Ohio State. A lot of people had a first-round grade on him or a potentially second-round grade. Really liked that pick to pair with uh, Mark Ingram in that backfield. They just continue to get better. And then later on, in, in the third round, they go and draft uh, Justin Matabuke out of uh, Texas A&M, a defensive tackle. Uh, he's a guy who, again, a lot of people thought that that was a steal. Didn't see him dropping that far. Uh, really liked that pick to bolster that defense. That already uh, is is pretty scary. Uh, that defensive line continues to get better. Uh, and then you have a defense to pair with that explosive offense. And that's the one minute for the Baltimore Ravens. And moving on to the second team in the AFC North. And we have the Pittsburgh Steelers. One minute officially on the clock. Uh, they went in the second round. They didn't have a first-round pick because of the Minka Fitzpatrick trade, and they got wide receiver slash tight end Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame. This guy's a playmaker. I mean, he's a he's a big, big guy uh, at the wide receiver position. I'm curious to see where they'll play him, whether it's going to be at wide receiver or it's going to be at tight end. Uh, Pittsburgh has a has a tendency to draft wide receivers and develop them into tremendous wide receivers, so you definitely trust that they'll be able to do that with a guy like Chase Claypool. And then later on in the draft, uh, in the fourth round, they actually grabbed Anthony McFarland, a running back out of Maryland, who's actually Booger McFarland's son, I believe. Uh, he's a playmaker. I know I've seen uh, some tape from him uh, at Maryland. He's definitely a big-time playmaker. Uh, I know Mel Kuyper uh, really liked uh, Anthony McFarland, so you, you like that pick. Overall, they didn't have all that many picks. They picked six times in this draft. Uh, I'm not going to act like I know a lot of these guys, but uh, you know, you definitely are, I'm definitely intrigued to see what they do with Chase Claypool. Now moving on to the third team in the AFC North, and it's the Cleveland Browns. We're going to put one minute on the clock. Uh, I really, really like the Cleveland Browns draft. It's one of my favorite drafts. Uh, the first round, they got Dredgick Wills, uh, potentially the best tackle in the draft to go and protect Baker Mayfield. And then in the second round, uh, Grant Delpit, the safety out of LSU, falls to them. He's a guy who, uh, going into the college football season uh, coming up this year, he was projected to be a top five talent. Obviously, this season didn't go as planned, but he's an incredibly talented guy. And for the second straight year, the Cleveland Browns, in the second round, get a, a really talented corner out of LSU. Last year, they got Greedy Williams. So I think this is something that the Cleveland Browns do. They just grab guys, talented guys, in, the, in rounds when they start to drop. They also got Jordan Elliott, the defensive tackle out of Missouri. He was a guy uh, who had some had him going in the second round. Really talented guy. I know NFL Network is really high on Jordan Elliott. Uh, so they ended up getting him in the third round. And over, and then later on, uh, in the fourth round, they grabbed Harrison Bryant, the tight end, out of uh, Florida Atlantic. Really liked that pick. Uh, another weapon for Baker Mayfield. Moving on to the final team in the AFC North. And it's the team that had the number one overall pick, the Cincinnati Bengals. We're going to put one minute on the clock. This is another team. Uh, really liked their draft. I thought they did a really good job in this offseason in general. Uh, trying to surround their future quarterback, Joe Burrow, with uh, some talent. So yeah, obviously they went Joe Burrow in the first round. And then T. Higgins uh, is the first selection of the second round. I really love this pick. If you ever want to have a good time, you go on YouTube and look up T. Higgins highlights. I mean, the guy's a phenomenal player. Just a freak athlete. Uh, really fun to watch. Uh, definitely love that pick. Uh, having him alongside 
uh, AJ Green. He can maybe learn from a guy like AJ Green. I think that's a that's a really good spot for T. Higgins. They also got Logan Wilson, the linebacker out of Wyoming. Uh, that was a pick that I really liked, and I think overall they they got a lot better this offseason. The Cincinnati Bengals got really uh, got really good talent at a lot of different positions, and I'm excited to see how much they can improve. Uh, and uh, I really like the talent that they surrounded their young quarterback with uh, in Joe Burrow. So yeah, a really good job by the Cincinnati Bengals, and there's the minute. And now going into the AFC South, we're going to start with the Houston Texans. Um, I'm not going to act like I know a lot of the guys that they drafted. Uh, they didn't draft a bunch of big-name guys. Uh, they, they got Ross Blacklock, actually, in the second round, who is, a, he, who is a, a phenomenal player out of TCU, a defensive tackle. So you definitely like to see that. Uh, I know they lost a really good defensive tackle uh, this offseason. Uh, so, you know, you replace him with Ross Blacklock. You have him line up uh, beside J.J. Watt. Uh, they've lost a lot of talent on that defensive line uh, the last couple of years. But overall, uh, how much can you really trust Bill O'Brien drafting? You don't know. Uh, and that's, that's kind of the thing with the Houston Texans. Uh, these could all be phenomenal players, but when you have Bill O'Brien in charge, you have no clue. It's a complete wild card. Uh, so overall, yeah, I, this might be the first team where I, I don't even need a minute to discuss. I don't have much to say about the Houston Texans. You, uh, you hope that they knew what they were doing, but with Bill O'Brien, you really never, never know. So yeah. And next up, we have the second team in the AFC South. The Tennessee Titans, we're going to put a minute on the clock. Uh, overall, thought that the Tennessee Titans did a really good job in this draft. They went and got a, uh, a guard slash tackle in Isaiah Wilson in the first round. Uh, you can never add too much depth on that offensive line. Uh, you know, he's a guy who can come in and be a starter right away. Uh, and then in the second round, they went and got Christian Fulton, the cornerback out of LSU. There, I know there were some people who had Christian Fulton uh, mocked going to the Titans in the first round. So to have him fall all the way. Um, to the second round to the Tennessee Titans I think is a really good pick so you you get two really big needs there on the offensive line and uh, at defensive back and then they they got Darrington Evans a running back out of App State a super speedy guy in the third round uh, just add sort of a lightning uh, to Derrick Henry's thunder uh, just just make a team that really surprised and turned a lot of heads even better uh, and with a team like Houston uh, maybe potentially falling off with a lot of the talent that they lost you can really see the Tennessee Titans uh, trying to take that next step and hopefully uh, continue to improve and maybe win this division coming up this year. Next up, we have the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, we're going to put a minute on the clock. Uh, with the first pick that they had, they didn't have a pick in the first round because of the DeForest Buckner trade. They went and got Michael Pittman, who's a really big receiver out of USC. Uh, he... Plays like a, a Juju Smith-Schuster, so I think that's going to be a really fun fit in that offense with a guy like T.Y. Hilton, maybe frees up T.Y. Hilton to uh, to get down the field and to make big plays. So you really like the pick of Michael Pittman. And then uh, later on, they went and got Jonathan Taylor, which was definitely a surprise for me. I didn't think that running back was a huge need for them, but Jonathan Taylor, many people had projected as the number one running back in this draft. He's a phenomenal player. He's got some fumbling issues, but you hope that he can get that right. That's something that we've seen a lot of uh, running backs get trained into them is to uh, get rid of those fumbling issues. So Jonathan Taylor could be a tremendous talent on that Indianapolis Colts uh, offense. And then later on, uh, Jacob Eason slid all the way to them in the fourth round. I really love this pick. This is a guy with a huge rocket arm uh, quarterback. Uh, you can train behind Phillip Rivers, and he can potentially be the replacement because Phillip Rivers and um, uh, 
Jacoby Brissett are no longer on the team after this year. And I guess that's a minute, so I got to stop talking. But I really like that Jacob Eason pick for the Colts. And now the final team in the AFC South is the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is a team that just needed to build up, stock up on talent. They've lost a lot of talent uh, the last few years and potentially have a chance to lose more with uh, Yannick Ngakwe. And I didn't even start the clock, so we're going to start one minute on the clock now. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars... Uh, with their first pick went with C.J. Henderson, the corner out of Florida. That's a guy that you just need to come in and fill the, the hole, one of the holes left by um, A.J. Boye and Jalen Ramsey. So you get a really good corner, a potential shutdown corner. And then later on in the first round, they went with Caleb on Chase on, the edge rusher out of LSU. Uh, another guy you're going to need to fill that hole on that defensive line. They've lost a lot of talent. Uh, Clayus Campbell's gone. Yannick Ngakwe wants to be traded. So you can have him as a potential replacement and have him and Josh Allen, who they drafted in the first round last year on the other side of the defensive line. That's a really fun pairing. Uh, they, uh, Yannick Ngakwe will probably be gone before the season starts. And then they also went and got Lavishka Chenault, uh, the wide receiver out of Colorado in the second round. Really like this pick. He's a playmaker. He's a guy who, who fell this far due to injury. But you really like the potential that he has and what he can do in this uh, Jacksonville Jaguars offense. So... Definitely the quarterbacks there in Jacksonville should be pretty excited about that. And now we're going to move on to the NFC uh, side of the draft. And we're going to start with the NFC East. We're going to start off with the Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to put one minute on the clock. Here we go. Uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, it's sort of a weird draft. Uh, in the first round, they went with Jalen Rager, who uh, was a guy that maybe uh, a lot of people thought was overdrafted with Justin Jefferson still there on the board. But they went and got speed. They traded for Marquise Goodwin. So they have a bunch of burners on that team. And then the second round, the most question, one of the most questionable picks in the 2020 draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select Jalen Hurts, quarterback out of Oklahoma. This is a player that I was really excited to see where he would go. I wanted him to go somewhere behind maybe a potential uh, veteran quarterback who was coming to the end with their team. But he goes to the Philadelphia Eagles, who uh, you would think are all in on Carson Wentz. Uh, sort of a questionable pick. It seems like you could have gone a bunch of different directions there. Uh, maybe you don't need to go uh, with a backup quarterback. But overall, uh, not a terrible draft. I'm not going to act like I know a lot of these late wide receivers that they got, but it's good to see that they're addressing the wide receiver position, unlike other teams in the NFC who had a need at wide receiver position and just completely ignored it. So overall, sort of a weird draft for the Philadelphia Eagles. Don't really understand the Jalen Hurts pick, but maybe I'm totally wrong. Moving on to the second team in the NFC East, and then that's the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, we're going to put one minute on the clock. Uh, in the first round, they, they had CeeDee Lamb fall to them, which is a tremendous pick. One of the biggest steals in the first round, in the draft in general. Really like that pick. That offense could be, have potential to be really scary in the upcoming years. And then in the second round, they got Trayvon Diggs, uh, cornerback out of Alabama. This is a guy that uh, many people saw going in that first round. Could have him fall to you uh, in the second round. I think it's a really good pick. They improve uh, that secondary who lost uh, Byron Jones this last offseason. So you definitely attacked a position of need. And they went um, corner one more time. And then they grabbed center, uh, Tyler Biadish. You really uh, uh, love to see them continue to add more offensive linemen as offensive line seem to come into Dallas and really develop into tremendous players. Uh, overall, I would say the, the Dallas Cowboys did a pretty good job. Uh, you really like the the first three picks. They also got Neville Gallimore, the defensive tackle out of Oklahoma. He's another guy that uh, I think a lot of uh, scouts were really high on. So I really like the like the Dallas Cowboys draft. Thought it was pretty good overall. And now the New York Giants. Uh, we're gonna grade their their draft. We're gonna put one minute on the clock. Um, 
not a bad draft. In the first round, they went with Andrew Thomas. Obviously, um, you just want to protect your franchise, future franchise quarterback with Daniel Jones. Um, and I, they, they went and grabbed a, a tackle, Matt Pert, later on in the, th in the third round. And also grabbed a guard later on in the draft. So you can see, uh, like other teams, they're trying to get as much uh, offensive linemen in there to kind of protect Daniel Jones protect the future because that offensive line has been pretty bad. Also in the second round, they went and grabbed Xavier McKinney, who's a guy that I had going in the first round. And my mock draft, he's a guy that I really like, a safety out of Alabama. Um, that defense uh, is is pretty talent poor. Overall, the, the roster there in New York needs a lot of help, and I thought they did a pretty decent job in this draft. Uh, you would still like to see um, maybe trying to go... Um, more playmakers for Daniel Jones, maybe going with a couple more receivers. But I thought overall, a pretty good draft for the New York Giants. Can't complain. I mean, what do I really know about some of these later round guys? And now the final team in the NFC East, and that's the Washington Redskins. We'll put one minute on the clock. Uh, with the first pick uh, that they had in the first round, uh, they went with Chase Young, who many people, including myself, uh, had as the number one talent in the NFL draft. So how bad of a draft can you really have when you go and get the number one overall prospect in the draft? I think he makes that defensive line really scary. They already have a ton of talent on that defensive line. So you know Ron Rivera is loving that. Uh, later on, they went and got Shadiq Charles tackle out of LSU. Also Antonio Gibson, a wide receiver. Um, and then another wide receiver, uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden, who's a big-time playmaker, a big guy who can come in. He's 6'4", 223 pounds. Uh, you definitely love to see that. Get uh, Dwayne Haskins some bigger targets. And I thought they did a pretty good job at trying to surround some ta uh, Dwayne Haskins with some talent. Uh, I, they got Kalik Hudson, the linebacker out of Michigan, who was a, a starter on that Michigan defense. Uh, just made plays. Um, overall, not a bad draft. I mean, how bad of a draft can you have when you have Chase freaking Young on your team now? So, yeah, that's the Washington Redskins. And now we go on to the NFC West. We're going to start with the division winner last year, the San Francisco 49ers, the Super Bowl runner-up. We're going to put a minute on the clock. Uh, in the first round, they had two selections. They traded back, uh, or rather they traded up to get their second selection and traded back with their first selection to get a Javon Kinlaw. A little bit of a surprise, but just adds another scary, scary first-round talent to that uh, defensive line full of first-round talents. I mean, they have guys like Solomon Thomas. Uh, they have guys like Eric Armstead, uh, Nick Bosa. That whole defensive line is terrifying and full of incredible talent. And then they went Brandon Ayuk, uh, the wide receiver out of Arizona State later on in the round. Uh, this is not my favorite pick. I think there was a lot of receivers you could have grabbed um, in that spot uh, that, that were maybe rated a little bit highly, highly over um, Brandon Ayuk. But, and I really thought, you know, with a guy like Jerry Judy still on, on the board when they were picking, maybe that would have been a good pick for them there, but um, you know, you can't fault them a lot. They went out, uh, they only had five selections in this draft, but you can really count Trent Williams as a selection in this draft. So uh, overall, not a terrible draft for the Niners. And now moving on to the Seattle Seahawks, put a minute on the clock. Um, I don't have a ton to say about the Seattle Seahawks uh, draft. I usually don't. The Seahawks usually tend to go with a lot of guys that not a lot of people know. In the first round, they went with Jordan Brooks, who not very many people had going in the first round. Um, but you you hope that he can go into the Seattle defense that has a, a tendency to develop defensive talent and really become a good player. They also went with Daryl Taylor, the edge out of Tennessee, um, in the second round. So they added a uh, some talent. They added another edge rusher later on in the draft. 
And then they added a couple tight ends and Colby Parkinson out of um, Stanford. And then they added in the final uh, round, Stephen Sullivan, the tight end out of LSU. So you can see they, they tried to get uh, a couple tight ends to uh, give Russell Wilson uh, bigger targets. And then they addressed the defense and tried to make the defense better. And yeah, like I said, I don't honestly have a lot to say about Seattle Seahawks uh, draft, sort of a boring draft, uh, but they're already a really good team. So, you know, there you have it. And now moving on to the third team in the NFC West, and that's the Los Angeles Rams. We're going to put a minute on the clock. Uh, with the, their first pick, it was in the second round. They went with running back Cam Akers out of Florida State. I really like this pick. Uh, people had him compared to sort of a Duke Johnson type, a uh, an all-around really good third down back. Obviously, they lost Todd Gurley this offseason, so you need somebody to come in and replace uh, all those reps that he had. Uh, really like the Cam Akers selection. Um, and then they went Van Jefferson uh, later on in the second round. He's a, a big-time uh, receiver, 6'1", 200 pounds, so just a, another big target for Jared Goff. Um, overall, I would say it was, a, it was a fairly good draft. They also got Bryson Hopkins, who a lot of people really liked, the tight end out of Purdue. Um, not a whole lot to say about the Los Angeles Rams draft, but I thought they, they did a pretty decent job. They also got Terrell Lewis out of Alabama, the, uh, the edge rusher. Um, maybe reach for him a little bit, but I think he has, he has pretty good talent. And you, you often see teams reach on these really talented guys out of big-name schools. Moving on to the final team in the NFC West. I already recorded this team once and realized that I completely forgot to set the timer. So I was just rambling on and on. Uh, but we're going to actually put the timer on this time for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, in the first round, they went with uh, Isaiah Simmons, who's a guy that's uh, just a versatile dude. Uh, I'm really curious to see where they line him up in that defense. They have so much talent in that defense with a guy, another versatile guy like Buda Baker. Uh, Patrick Peterson is there uh, at corner. And then you have Chandler Jones. It's going to be really fun to see where they use a guy like Isaiah Simmons. And then probably an even better pick um, in the third round, they went and got tackle Josh Jones, uh, who a lot of people, including myself, I had him going 18 to the Dolphins in the first round. A lot of people had him graded as a first-round talent. So if you can go and get a guy like Josh Jones, um, a first-round talent in the third round uh, with the eighth pick in the third round, I mean, you definitely can't complain with that. Get more protection for Kyler Murray. So I, th I think this team definitely got better. They got better this offseason in general, obviously with DeAndre Hopkins signing. So this is another team that's going to be really exciting to see how much they improve this upcoming season. And now moving on to the NFC North, and we're going to start with uh, one of the most confusing drafts in the NFL. We're going to put a minute on the clock for the Green Bay Packers. And this is a team that I might have to rant a little bit. In the first round, they went with quarterback Jordan Love. Sure, uh, you didn't need a quarterback. Uh, you didn't need to go and grab a backup quarterback when you had other needs and you're a championship contender right now. But also, not once in this draft did they go wide receiver. They have no talent at the wide receiver position. They have, uh, other than Devontae Adams, sorry, they have so little talent at that wide receiver position. You have Aaron Rodgers right now in the prime of his career. He might be declining, sure, but he's still a tremendous quarterback and you don't go a single receiver in this entire draft, it seems ridiculous. It seems ludicrous. It seems, uh, frankly, stupid to me that you would would not even address the wide receiver position one time. Uh, they they went AJ Dillon in the in the second round, a running back instead of a wide receiver. When you already have a guy like Aaron Jones, and I understand um, 
Uh, Matt LaFleur wants to go to more towards the running game, but oh my goodness, you have Aaron Rodgers. Why not try to surround him with as much talent as you can and you don't grab a single wide receiver in this draft? I mean, this is, this is one of the most frustrating drafts in this entire draft. Um, sorry, I'm going to have to move on, but this draft really frustrates me. And now going on to the Minnesota Vikings. We're going to put a minute on the clock. I thought this team did a, a pretty good job, unlike the Packers, who I just ranted a little bit about. Uh, the Vikings got Justin Jefferson and Jeff Gladney in the first round. Really like that uh, pairing of first-round picks by them. Really talented guys that kind of fell to them. Um, you get an instant starter at wide receiver and a potential instant starter at corner in Jeff Gladney. And then later on, you go and get Ezra Cleveland, who a lot of people actually had going um, later in the first round, a lot of people thought that maybe Cleveland would trade down and, and, and draft uh, Ezra Cleveland. And they also got Cameron Dantzler, the quarterback, or cornerback rather, out of Mississippi State. Uh, I just like this pick because the first time I heard Cameron Dantzler's name, I thought it was a joke. I thought it was like a play on Cam Chancellor. Somebody just called somebody Cam Dantzler. That sounds hilarious to me, so definitely love that pick for a, a comedic standpoint. And this team just picked a whole load of guys. I mean, uh, you definitely are going to expect them to hit on some guys when they picked as many players as they did. But overall, pretty good draft for the Minnesota Vikings. Much better than the Green Bay Packers. And now the Chicago Bears. Uh, we're going to put a minute on the clock. Uh, with the, their first pick, it was the uh, 11th pick in the second round. They went Cole Komet, who a lot of people thought was the best tight end in this draft. Um, you don't mind picking the best player out of position. But when you already went and grabbed Jimmy Graham uh, this offseason... You're wondering maybe you could have invested assets in a different place, but you definitely can't be mad at grabbing a guy like Cole Komet. I really like Cole Komet, hoping he can develop there with the Chicago Bears. And then they grab Jalen Johnson, also in the second round with the 18th pick in the second round. This is another guy, cornerback out of Utah. A lot of people saw going in that first round. So again, anytime you can get a first round talent in the second round, you definitely can't complain with that. Uh, you add to an already pretty stacked defense there in Chicago. I mean, overall, I would have I would have liked to see them go quarterback at some point in this draft. You have Nick Foles, who you brought in. You have Mitch Trubisky. Do you trust either of those guys to, to really um, be your starter for years to come? Uh, I certainly wouldn't. Uh, definitely would have liked to see them maybe just take a flyer on a guy like a Jacob Eason, who fell all the way to the fourth round, or take a guy like Jake Fromm. But, uh, yeah. And now we have the Detroit Lions. One minute on the clock. Uh, I, I thought they drafted pretty well. Uh, they went with Jeffrey Okuda in the first round. Uh, you go and get yourself a shutdown corner. And then the second round, they went and got uh, running back DeAndre Swift, who a lot of people, including myself, had projected as the number one running back in this draft class. Uh, really like when you can add uh, an electric talent like that. They already have uh, the, the big guy there at running back, who I'm blanking on his name right now, but you add a guy sort of to be, I think he's going to take that job. I, I really like DeAndre Swift. I think he's going to, Going to go in there and, and be the starting running back uh, before long. Uh, and then they went and got Julian Aguara, uh, the edge rusher out of out of Notre Dame. He's another guy who was a projected second round talent. He went in the third round to them. So again, they just grabbed some really talented guys, some blue chip guys. You definitely can't complain with the with the overall uh, draft of the Detroit Lions. Thought they did a pretty good job. Uh, grabbed a couple uh, big name guys from big name schools. And now. Moving on to the final division, NFC South. I'm exhausted. We're finally hitting the home stretch here. Uh, we're going to put a minute on the clock for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, I really like the New Orleans Saints draft. I kind of laughed when I opened up their draft page to see that they only drafted four players. Uh, seems kind of crazy, but they went Cesar Ruiz in the first round. 
the guard slash center. Uh, definitely cannot complain with trying to, to improve that uh, offensive line. Uh, really good player. The number one rated uh, interior offensive lineman by a lot of people. And later on, you went and got Zach Bond, who actually fell to them in the third round. He's a guy who, again, like uh, a lot of people haven't projected as a first or second round talent. He's an edge rusher. Uh, he compares to a guy like Kyle Van Noy, uh, who New England had last year. Uh, just an, a really good edge rusher. And then you also go and get Adam Troutman, the tight end out of Dayton. I know I've heard a lot of really good things about him. You get Drew Brees another weapon. I think that um, anytime you have a player like him uh, going into that Sean Payton offense, you can get really excited. So overall, not a whole lot of picks. They also went and got Tommy Stevens, who's kind of a Taysom Hill clone. So a little bit confusing. Uh, maybe the quarterback room is getting a little crowded now they signed Jameis Winston. Uh, but overall, I really like the New Orleans Saints draft with the four picks that they had. And now going on to the Atlanta Falcons, the second team in the NFC South. Going to put a minute on the clock. Uh, in the first round, they went with A.J. Terrell, a corner uh, out of Clemson. He's a, he's just a guy who's going to come in and fill a need for them. Uh, Might have been a little bit of a reach, but uh, you know, uh, if he turns out to be a really good player, nobody's ever going to remember that. So you like them uh, developing uh, or going and filling that need and hoping to develop uh, into a really good corner. And then in the second round, they got, went and got uh, Marlon Davidson, uh, the edge rusher out of um, Auburn. He's a guy who seems like a really fun guy. I mean, I remember him at the NFL Combine saying he loves football because it's a sport where you can just pound and pound and pound on a guy and the cops don't show up. So you definitely like to have that kind of attitude on a football team. Uh, thought overall, I don't have a ton of thoughts on the Atlanta Falcons draft. Um, they got a punter uh, in, the, in the seventh round. So Sterling Hoffrichter. So I'm really expecting him to do tremendous things there for the Atlanta Falcons. But overall, you know, don't have a ton to say about the, the draft. Like the first two picks. Other than that, uh, don't have a ton to say. Moving on to the second last team uh, that we're going to be discussing here. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Tampa Brady Buccaneers, whatever you want to call them. We're going to put a minute on the clock for the Buccaneers. Uh, in the first round, they went and got Tristan Wirfs. The tackle out of Iowa. He's an athletic freak. A, guy, a lot of people had him as the number one tackle in the draft. Definitely cannot be mad at trying to get Tom Brady more protection on that offensive line as he's 43. He's getting up there in age. Um, and then in the second round, they went and got Antoine Winfield Jr., son of uh, Antoine Winfield, obviously. He's a really fun playmaking safety. He's another guy who has a, a tremendous highlight reel if you want to go and look at that. Um, he's a safety out of Minnesota. Really like that pick. He's a, he's a guy that a lot of people said would be uh, an under underrated, undervalued uh, player in this draft. So they went and got a guy to improve that defense. And then they uh, got Keyshawn Vaughn, the running back out of Vanderbilt, and then wide receiver Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota. So they really just tried to take, take some flyers on some guys, get some more talent in there uh, uh, at a lot of positions where they can uh, hopefully help Tom Brady. And I really like this roster. I really like the way it's coming together. So not an overall pretty good draft by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Moving on to the final team in this uh, draft review. I don't know about you guys, but I am just about beat. Uh, it's been a long, long process here. Uh, the final team is probably the team that I thought had the best draft, uh, saved the best for last, and that is the Carolina Panthers. Uh, so in the, uh, we're going to put a minute on the clock for the Carolina Panthers in the first round. They go with Derek Brown. Really love that pick. Uh, put him in there uh, beside a guy like Brian Burns, who developed into a really nice pass rusher last season. Uh, and then in the second round, Yatur Gross Matos, who's a guy who 
was projected as a first round guy. You grab him in the second round, have him go opposite of Brian Burns. And also in that defensive line looks like a really big strength on this Carolina Panthers uh, defense. And then you also got, go and get Jeremy Chin in the second round. Another another piece that did bolster that defense. Jeremy Chin is a guy that a lot of people thought might sneak into the first round. A tremendously talented guy. People compared him to a guy like Harrison Smith. Uh, definitely cannot be mad at that. Overall, really love the Panthers draft. I thought they did a really good job of just getting better on defense. They went all defense in this draft, actually. They selected defensive tackle, edge, safety, corner, safety, defensive tackle, and cornerback. They actually grabbed uh, Kenny Robinson, the safety out of West Virginia. He actually played in the XFL last year, so they selected the first ever XFL player to be selected in the draft. So really love the Carolina Panthers draft. Excited to see where they go from here. Whew. All right, uh, we finally are at the end of our draft reca recap episode. This is by far the longest episode uh, that I've ever recorded. Uh, three episodes in here to this podcast. Uh, if you made it all the way to the end, credit to you. Uh, this has been a long process. I feel like I need a shower after this episode. A lot of information that we really had to jam pack into one episode. So thank you guys so much for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed. Uh, remember to, uh, if, you, if you're listening to this on SoundCloud, follow us on SoundCloud. And for those of you who are wondering uh, why you cannot access the uh, podcast on things like Apple Podcasts or on things like uh, Spotify, we are actively working really hard to get uh, the podcast on those sites. So just stay tuned, uh, sit tight. We're going to try to get our, the podcast on those on those sites. We really want them on those sites as well. Uh, but yeah, if you're listening on SoundCloud, please uh, hit that follow button. It would really mean a lot. Uh, don't forget to follow us also on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Average Joe Show. Uh, and if you have any questions about the show or comments or you just want to have a conversation, you can also email me at theaveragejoeshowpod at gmail.com. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening uh, and we'll see you on the next one. <laughs>